Shaletta Brundage is known as the autism mom, not just because she's got three kids on the spectrum, but because she's an advocate who works to educate and inspire other moms of kids with special needs. I was so excited when my councilman, Justin Olson, here in the city of Cottage Grove, Minnesota, tagged me on Twitter and said, bring your babies out to the Halloween parade. Um, We want them to enjoy themselves, to have a good time, and we can do that. Uh, because I can put them in our little wagon and strap them in. Uh, They can mask and glove up and be safe, and they can wave at the folks in the parade, and then we can come home. Going door to door is another story. Three of my four children have been diagnosed with autism. And I remember the first time that we took them trick-or-treating. They did not um, look at uh, a lady at one particular house, Um, I knocked on the door and I said trick-or-treating for them. And um, she said, well, can't you say it for yourselves? You know, there's other kids there. I I don't want to embarrass my kids. They have um, some social anxiety relating to their autism. And so um, I say, well, you know, we just came by to pick up some candy and we're going to move on to the next house. But um, at this particular house with this particular homeowner, um, she demanded that they say something in order to get the candy. Um, and I, I wasn't really sure how to respond to that. So we stood there for a minute. She was passing out candy to other kids. And finally, I said, ma'am, um, it's it's a really busy night. It's cold out. Um, my kids have autism. And, and um, well, that doesn't mean they can't talk. Well, for one of them, it does. The other two have social anxiety. If you're not going to um, give them the candy, that's fine. We'll, we'll move on to the next house. So um, she, you know, begrudgingly gave the kids the candy and, um you know, was very offended when we did not say thank you. Um, I I didn't really know how to feel after that, how we should approach uh, trick-or-treating. The kids are so excited about going. They've got their costumes. They've been putting them on. But I remember the way that that experience um, made me feel. Um, And I remember seeing the expression on my children's faces. And and I just did not ever want them to feel that way again. Thankfully, the very next year, um, they came out with the blue Halloween buckets so that when kids went trick-or-treating and went door-to-door and knocked on the door of, of, of the home of someone who did not know them and were not intimately familiar with them, when you see that blue bucket, then you automatically know this is a child who has special needs. This is a child with autism. This child may not be able um, to talk and say thank you and say trick-or-treating. That is a signal to the homeowner, but still some people might not even know about the blue bucket. So I had to call uh, my friend Kathy Martinez. Uh, She is doing amazing work at the Autism Family Network in Lincoln, and she has been talking all October long, um, sharing tips for inclusive Halloween. Kathy, thank you so much for being uh, with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. 
Now, um, what what generally are parents who are going trick or treating uh, with their kids who have autism? Uh, what tips are you giving them this season so that their kids can not only stay safe but still have a sense of joy and 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 happiness as they try to celebrate um, Halloween? Um, well, I have a few um, just from personal experience and from running an organization that serves people with autism in Nebraska. Um, I have an 18-year-old son who's severely um, affected by autism, and so I've had several years of practicing um, holidays. And one of my primary tips to parents are you might have to change your expectation of what the holiday is going to look like to fit Mm. the need of your child, because as parents, we all want our kids to participate like neurotypical children, and sometimes they just can't. And we have to accept that and make the event enjoyable for them at their level of need. So my son, he wouldn't wear anything on his face or head because of severe sensory issues. So we'd have to get creative with costumes that could just be worn as clothing um, because he won't allow anyone to touch his face or head. Um, Some of the things that we did was we practiced it grandma's house or a neighbor that you trust or just even practice at your home knocking on a bedroom door and going through the scenario of what the expectation is for trick-or-treat and um, I would always tell people that weren't familiar with our son you know he can't talk if they did demand that and and it is frustrating for parents if you do have a scenario like you just explained that mm-hmm. you have um, one of the other things we offer here in Lincoln is we do sensory-friendly, lower-key events for holidays so people on the spectrum can participate and they have a quiet area to retreat to, and we make it very sensory-friendly as far as lights and sounds. And, you know, one thing that you said that really touched my heart is we have as parents to also lower our expectations because, girl, let me tell you something. I got my kids all dressed up. They had their little orange pumpkin buckets and I thought we were just going to go and clean up and, you know, get the candy and it was just going to be like everybody else. And I was in for a rude awakening. What tips can you give to parents about lowering that expectation? Because I I think I was more um, disappointed and shocked than my children were by the first experience and the first time that we went. And and I completely agree. I think it sometimes affects the parents more than the kids mm-hmm. uh, because we have this idea of what the holiday is supposed to look like. And when it doesn't happen, we kind of grieve that loss of normalcy. It's just another, like an onion peel, and it's another layer of the special need that affects us because you grieve so many milestones in a child's life when they don't hit those milestones and these holidays we want them to enjoy and have our experiences but their experiences are obviously going to be different than ours so we have to change our way of thinking a little bit but you know maybe they're not going to hit the whole neighborhood and have the pillowcase full of candy maybe it'll be two or three people that they go to and if that's satisfying for the child and it makes them happy then we have to be accepting of that. And um, 
do and th- this is what one of the things that we did too is we um you know kind of just did a certain number of houses and before so this was the next year and before we went you know there were people that we knew i talked to the homeowners and said hey you know the kids and i would like to come it's probably going to be a little early before everyone else comes um and, and is that okay and, and they made allowances um for that and i think that the following year we had a much more uh, successful Halloween experience for our children with autism. And and I think that's another good point, a very valid point. If you could go just a little bit earlier, I think that is very helpful for kids who might be overstimulated by large crowds of people. And, you know, one of the things that you also said, um, we are talking with um, Kathy Martinez, and she has done amazing work over the years. She is at the Autism Family Network in Lincoln, and she uh, is working to share tips for parents um, and caregivers and neighbors for a more inclusive Halloween. And I'm so glad that she is joining me. Um, You know, one of the things that you said was, you know, practice the scenario. And so the second year when I, when I, we did it and I was trying to prepare the kids for Halloween, I looped in our therapist at um, our ABA therapists who were doing therapy in the home with the Lovas Institute. And so what they did was exactly what you said. Uh, we contacted a couple of us stay-at-home moms in our neighborhood. The kids got all dressed up in their Halloween gear as if it were Halloween. They knew we were practicing, so they knew they weren't going to get any candy. But they had an opportunity with their therapist to go through the scenario of what it would be like. And I can't tell you um, how much better that second year went when we did those dress rehearsals. Yeah, sometimes, um, like my son, responds very well to social stories. And they're very simple and easy to create. And it just has a very simplified story uh, explaining the scenario so they understand the expectation. Yeah. Um, and and they were better. We were better. It was less stressful. And, you know, like I said, they knew the house because they had practiced. Um, another thing that we did is we invited the therapist to go trick or treating with us um, that second year. Uh, one of the kids, ABA therapist from the Lovas Institute, changed her schedule. So instead of working days, she worked afternoon. And she even, oh, my gosh, she, I got to share the pictures with you. She was so cute. Her name was Diamond. She even dressed up and brought her costume. Um, and she walked with our family, uh, held the kids' hands. She was able to do some redirecting. Uh, because a lot of times we've got more than one kid. And, and we may have some neurotypical kids. Like my, my big boy is neurotypical. And, and what I found, Kathy, is that um you know we we would have to leave and then he would still want to go yeah and he would have to come back home and andrew was so disappointed um that he couldn't continue to go trick-or-treating pick up more candy say hi to his friends because you know one of the one of his uh siblings with autism had a meltdown so this enjoyed you know having the extra set of hands out there um allowed us to redirect the kids uh let our neurotypical child uh still enjoy halloween and run around and have fun and then you know stay out a little bit longer yeah you brought up a, another very valid point. Like, as a parent of a child with special needs, it's very difficult to try to 
balance that time and attention between your kids with special needs and your children that are neurotypical. And you're always trying to make it a pleasurable experience for everybody. And it's a juggling act. It is. So that extra set of hands with a therapist would be very beneficial. Yeah, that 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 was a game changer right there. In fact, I told them uh, this year I'm not even going. It's just gonna be them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a mess, girl? <laughs> right. I'm gonna sit back and have some gray duck vodka. You make me a Halloween signature cocktails with a couple of olives in it, so it looks like eyeballs. And y'all just go with the therapist. Mama be home. I watch out through the window and wave. Look, Kathy, it's cold in Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> and, and everybody has an enjoyable experience then. Even <laughs> Girl, look, why why look, I need somebody to think about me. Okay? Shoot. <laughs> now so, for home for homeowners out there who encounter kids who have autism, um, how can they make the experience more inclusive for their little neighbors? I would say first of all, don't assume that Every child that comes to your door is a typical child. Like there's a lot of hidden disabilities, such as autism. You you couldn't tell by looking at my son that he has a disability or that he's not able to speak until you have some sort of a convert. Try to have a conversation with him. So don't make assumptions that everybody is going to come to the door and they're going to say trick or treat and they're going to say thank you. Um, that would be my first thought. And then I would say offer non-food items because a lot of our kiddos on the spectrum have dietary issues and kids with special needs in general have a higher percentage of dietary restrictions. Um, and just be, just be kind. You don't, it's not, it's not that difficult to be kind and there's their children and sometimes children don't behave the way we expect them to. Yeah, yeah, we we give those um, little kids adult expectations. And look, if you, all you have to do is watch the news and the adults are not, um, you know, behaving like adults. So how can we expect the children uh, to do the same? Kathy, um, thank you so much. We have been chatting with Kathy Martinez, and she is at the Autism Family Network in Lincoln, sharing tips uh, for a more inclusive Halloween for our little kiddos who are on the spectrum as well as all of our friends and neighbors that we'll be encountering uh, to celebrate the spooky ghost time. So I appreciate you being here. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you all so much for listening and make sure you check out uh, the Autism Family Network in Lincoln. Uh, I know um, that you may not be in Lincoln, but they have so many amazing things on their website um, that you can take advantage of. You can share with your friends and family and neighbors um, if they have been touched by someone who has autism, like my children. Always fun and informative, Shaletta's a big draw at autism conferences across the country. Find out how you can book her as a featured speaker for your next event at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. If you're like me, family is the most important thing in your life. But talking about finances with your family can be a challenge. This is a photo of me, my mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. Every lesson I learned about putting money away for a rainy day, I learned from them. 
That's why I'm moderating an AARP panel on Tuesday, November 9th at 6.30 to talk about saving money for retirement no matter what stage you're in. So whether you're Gen Z, a millennial, Gen X, or a boomer, join me on November 9th. We'll have a panel of common folks like you and me. We'll work together so we can find solutions. To sign up for this free event, log on to aarp.org backslash mnevents. This event is sponsored by AARP Minnesota, Black Women's Wealth Alliance, Bridge Makers, and Youth Prize.